come back to the Bible now. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark tonight. Mark chapter 13. So if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, perhaps you'd turn with me to the second of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And these are the books which tell the life story of the Lord Jesus Christ from his ministry uh, on earth point of view and contain his teaching. And tonight we're looking at a very important part of his teaching, Mark chapter 13. Thanks so much, Mary. Mark chapter 13, verse 3. Now as he, that's the Lord Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus, answering them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. But these these are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Words of the Lord Jesus. Please keep those open if you have your Bible with you tonight. Uh, It seems amazing that this was nearly 10 years ago. But 2013, February 2013, uh, the people in Chebolinsk in Russia were suddenly disturbed by a sound that sounded like a meteor and a huge crashing sound uh, in the air. And uh, they saw a, 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 a cloud of smoke and a very bright light as something exploded over their city. They first thought it was a missile. Um, they thought that perhaps they were coming under attack. Uh, uh, but later on, it turned out that what it was, was a meteor. And uh, the meteor came overhead and it came so close and was so loud that it broke uh, glass on windows. Children uh, on one side of the classroom, on the far side of the classroom from the windows were sprayed with glass. Uh, Some walls were uh, badly damaged by this. And there was a great deal of alarm and shock at this happening. Uh, And eventually they found the spot where the meteor landed in in an ice lake. Uh, and it was a huge monster of a thing that came in and made a crater in the lake uh, about six metres wide. Now, when that happened, 
the people of that city said, we thought it was the end of the world. <laughs> and you can understand why, can't you? Uh, many of them didn't know what was happening at all, but they thought it was the end of the world. And sometimes when big things happen like that in life, it gives us that appearance, doesn't it? Something, what's happening? It's the end of the world. It's massive. Uh, I think we all felt a little bit like that back in 9-11, didn't we? Uh, when those terrible uh, events happened on that day in America. Well, something like this was going through the minds of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ after he'd given them an amazing prophecy. In the opening two verses of this passage, the Lord Jesus had been with his his disciples in Jerusalem and they had visited the temple in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 1, Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And it was a massive infrastructure structure built by King Herod. And it had taken over 46 years to build it by the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was huge and it was invested with gold and precious stones. But look what Jesus said in verse 2. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see this, these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And amazingly, the Lord Jesus predicted that this amazing temple, which they were uh, regularly worshipping in, was one day going to be destroyed, so much so that not one stone was left upon another. Now, we know when that happened. That happened in the year AD 70, when the Romans invaded Israel. They surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and uh, they were ordered to take, captive the city of Jerusalem but they were ordered not to take the temple because the Romans revered multiple gods and they wanted the favor of those gods so they didn't want any damage to the temple but what happened was many of the Jewish people went to hide in the temple and they went in and someone knocked over a candlestick the candlestick took hold of some of the curtains in there the place went up in smoke and the building came down and because it was so intricately layered with gold for years afterwards when people came to that spot they were picking over the rocks and the stones looking for nuggets of gold so what Jesus said literally came to pass I mean He's the son of God. He knows all things. And this is evidence of his true prophecy that not one stone would be left upon another. Now, the disciples at that time didn't know that because this was 33 AD before that happened. And they weren't aware of the the fulfillment, of course, because it hadn't happened. All they'd heard was the temple, which was the center of their national uh, religion and and organization, was going to be destroyed. And the only thing they could think of was like with the people with that meteor. It's going to be the end of the world. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And so they came to the Lord Jesus. And when they uh, went to a private spot on the Mount of Olives, which is a mountain next to Jerusalem on the east side, what we sometimes call Olivet, that's its Greek name, they sat with Jesus there looking at the temple on, uh, down over the valley. And uh, these four disciples asked Jesus privately, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled. Now that was the question they were asking, when will the temple be destroyed? But Jesus knew the question they were really asking was, when will the world end? When will the things happen at the end? And uh, that's what they were thinking about as they were thinking about 
the destruction of the temple. We know that because what Jesus spoke of here goes way beyond the AD 70 event. And in the end of this chapter, you can see later on, it talks about his second coming when he comes again to reign in power and glory in the last days. If you look down in verse 26, it says in this chapter, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So uh, he answered the question that was really in their hearts about the end of time. And he talked about the characteristics of the last days. They were curious. You know, everybody's curious, aren't they, about what's going to happen in the future. And uh, it's intrigue and interesting to know. But Jesus didn't just want to satisfy their curiosity. He wanted to equip them to be able to face those days which were ahead. He wanted them to be watchful. He wanted them to be faithful. He wanted them to be prayerful. And so what he gives them in this passage of scripture we're looking at tonight is three characteristics that will mark the end times, which will help them understand what's going on and to live for him. He talked about the global signs that would accompany his return, the gospel success that would go before his return. And the godly stalwarts, a stalwart is someone who stands firm, uh, who will be there standing firm for Christ at the time of his return. And I want us to see these three things tonight so we also can be watchful, we can be faithful, and we can be prayerful. Let's see the first thing then. The first thing the Lord spoke about as a characteristic of the end times was the global signs. And in verses 5 to 9, the Lord Jesus outlines basically four sets of signs here about the end. Uh, Do you know during World War II, uh, an interesting thing was the French used to use parrots. And they used parrots on top of the Eiffel Tower, not to get rid of the pigeons, uh, but because the parrots have a very amazing sense of hearing. And they can actually hear over great distance, even before they can see. And they found the parrots responded to the sound of the bombers and the planes that were coming across the German aircraft. And when the birds started to get unsettled, they knew there was an air raid on the way. They were being watchful. They were being on guard for what was coming. And this is what the Lord Jesus wants his church to be like in the last days. He wants us to watch. In fact, that's the key word in this chapter. If you look at the very last verse in this chapter, verse 37, the Lord Jesus ends this whole discourse of teaching and says, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Be watchful. That's his great closing message here. He wants us to be people who are watchful what is going on. You know, lots of us uh, are a little bit like the uh, two men from the uh, Riding Lights Theatre Company. I wonder if you've ever heard, there are Riding Lights Theatre Company, a Christian theatre company that go around putting on productions. And one of them wrote in a, in a testimony about the time when he was a young Christian. And he said, uh, we, we tried to be very spiritual in every situation. And he said, on one occasion, he said, we were due to catch a bus to get somewhere. He said, and the bus wasn't, wasn't, was late. And uh, he said, we, we were worried we weren't going to make our appointment, our meeting on time. 
time. So he said, what we thought the spiritual thing to do would be to kneel down at the bus stop with everybody else there. And uh, kneel down at the bus stop and, uh, and pray that the bus would come. He said, a funny thing happened was, while we were knelt with our eyes closed, the bus went sailing past. <laughs> and uh, a Christian who was older and wiser later on them said to them, the Lord Jesus said, watch and pray. <laughs> And you know, that's true. We're to be those who are attentive, who are alert to what's going on. Not just people of prayer in our own little spiritual bubble, but we are to be watchful people, aware of what's coming uh, on the world. And so the Lord Jesus gave these global signs to prepare them. What were those signs? So we can see uh, what he said was going to happen before his return in the future. Well, he spoke about deception in verses 5 and 6. And Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. You know, deception is one of the great dangers for people in the last days. Ten times the New Testament warns us not to be deceived. And for all our learning and for all our our information that we have at our fingertips today, we seem to be more easily deceived than ever. Did you hear about the lady called Belle Gibson? Belle Gibson was a lady in Australia who claimed that she had cured herself of four different types of cancer by healthy eating and exercise. She refused medication, uh, but she went on a very careful diet she'd planned out, and she planned out uh, a way to cure cancer by healthy eating and exercise. Penguin Books got ready a book to publish about her. Apple made an app connected with her and eventually she was found to be a fraud. She didn't have cancer at all. But the trouble is, her message had already got out. People had already stopped taking medication and many of them suffered the consequences of doing so. We're so easily deceived. And the Lord Jesus warns us in this day and age... Take heed, no one deceives you. But it's not just general deception, like being conned over the phone about uh, your finances or something, although that seems to be uh, a mark of our age, doesn't it? What he says here is about spiritual deception, especially false teaching, which will lead us astray. And he points to one thing especially, although not exclusively. In verse 6 he says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. One of the things the Lord Jesus warned was that after he had come, uh, after, his, 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 um, after his death and resurrection, people would claim to be the Messiah and make claims for themselves to be the one who we should follow. And many people would go after them. In fact, later on, the Lord Jesus was going to say this. In verse 21, he said, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I've told you all things beforehand. 
And you know, since the Lord Jesus, right the way up until the 1850s, there were many false prophets and false messiahs among the Jewish people, especially to lead them astray, starting with Simon Bar Kokhba, who led uh, a revolt in the days after the Lord Jesus and claimed to be the Messiah. But today, it's not just the Jewish people who have been deceived. Today, there's many in the Western world uh, and in Asia as well. We hear of the lady who claims to be the Holy Spirit for that uh, Chinese cult, the lightning from the east. We hear about uh, that man from North Korea, uh, not North Korea, South Korea, called J. Rock Lee, who's a false teacher, who's establishing uh, messianic churches all over the place, and many other false teachers. What Jesus said is coming to pass. Even if you think of the clowns, the people like that uh, guy who was the uh, news presenter, I can't remember his name, who uh, claimed that he was the son of God. You know, there are people around who are fulfilling what Jesus said. We need to take heed and be on guard. It's one of the signs the Lord Jesus said he was coming, to, coming again, that these things are happening. And uh, it's a sure pointer to the fact that we are moving closer towards his return. He also said there would be conflict in the world. If you look in verse 7, it says, But when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For, found that for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The Lord Jesus warned us that civilization will lose its civility. And as time goes on, there will be an increase in war in mankind. Now, this especially related to Israel uh, in their situation. And certainly with the Romans coming, that was going to be an immediate threat to them at that time. But it wasn't just going to be there. It was going to be all over the world because nations and kingdoms were going to rise against each other. And there would not only be wars, there'd be rumours of wars. What does that mean? That's basically saber rattling, you know, when uh, there's this tension in the air. A bit like we've got with the situation with China and Taiwan at the moment. You know, there's a rumour of war. It hasn't happened, but everybody sort of feels, what, is it going to happen or is it not? And uh, we're very aware of the situation. Jesus said that would be one of the signs that you will see this escalate. And the interesting things are that in this last century... We have seen war on a scale that has never been in history before. For the first time, the last century, we used a phrase never before used, the phrase world war. And we've had at least two of them. It's debatable whether or not we've had a third one uh, in uh, Ukraine at the moment with uh, all the support against Russia. But uh, we've had two major world wars. And Jesus' prophecies have been coming to pass. People often say it's religion that causes war. But I would remind you, Russia, which invades Ukraine, is not known to be a religious country. Rather, it has a communist uh, background. And so does China with Taiwan. Yes, certainly there are some nations uh, that wage jihad, holy war. But uh, it's not exclusively on religion. And we must take this carefully and see this sign that the Lord Jesus said. It's not meant to make us fearful, but it is meant to make us watchful. It means the Lord is coming again and we need to be aware.
Also, he spoke about disasters in verse 8. He went on in the second half of that verse and said, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. Let's think about those things. Those are some of the disasters the Lord spoke about. There will be earthquakes. Uh, what do you call a cow in an earthquake? A milkshake. Okay, so you can thank me later. But uh, earthquakes are happening all over the world, aren't they? You know, we don't just have uh, big earthquakes out in the Middle East. We hear of earthquakes. I heard of an earthquake up in Alaska some time back. I mean, diverse places of the King James Version. Many different places. And earthquakes are happening. We've had them in the last country, in a smaller, in this country, in the last uh, year or so, in a smaller level. But Jesus said there will be earthquakes in various places and they are going to increase as time goes on. We, of course, have the technology to record earthquakes better than ever before with seismographs and so on. And uh, therefore, what Jesus said is going to be more apparent than ever before. He also said there'll be famines. Famine, of course, is the food failure. And uh, that was something which was as old as the book of Genesis, as we talked about this morning, with the famine in the days of Joseph. But he said there'll be famines in all sorts of places, and it'll be a growing concern. And who isn't concerned about food shortage at the moment, with the situation with the grain coming out of Ukraine, and so on. And uh, there are famines, as the Lord Jesus said. I read a a newspaper article some time ago about uh, how even uh, in olive crops, in Italy are failing because of bacteria which is airborne on insects and we have new diseases and new concerns that they never had before which are concerns which is why we have to have so many pesticides to try and fight them famines are a concern of disaster as Jesus said and then as a sort of cover all of other similar things he says troubles troubles Now, the word trouble there is used twice in the Bible. It's used here, but it's used one other time. In John chapter 5, when the Lord Jesus uh, went to the pool of Bethesda, do you remember? And there was the man who was waiting by the pool for the stirring of the water. It was meant to be these sort of uh, healing waters like the bath down in, in the Roman baths down the road here. Uh, and there was a sheep pool in, uh, in the outskirts of Jerusalem that was supposed to be troubled by an angel. The water became bubbly and disturbed, and then people would get in and supposedly be healed. Well, the word that used in John 5 verse 4 is the same word that's used here. It's the word for trouble, something being stirred up and disturbed. Some people think, some Bible scholars think that this is talking about uprisings and riots. And when I was preparing this, I couldn't help thinking, now, isn't it strange that when we talk about the tension in Northern Ireland, we've used this very word. We've talked about the troubles, the troubles in Northern Ireland. It's the sort of thing the Bible, uh, I think, covers with this comment. Disasters in many places. And uh, these are things that Jesus said would be in place as time moves towards his coming. But it doesn't mean the end is nigh. We don't go out with a big banner saying the end is nigh. Rather, he said it's the beginning, not the end. These are the beginnings of sorrows. It's the uh, beginning of the end. It's not the end uh, of everything. There's more to come. And that's why he goes on and he warns about another sign in verse 9, which is the sign of persecution. Persecution. 
And he says again, but watch out. Watch, there's that word again. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you, Christians, up to councils. And you will be beaten in the synagogues. And you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake and for a testimony to them. And Jesus here warns that there will be persecution on the church from the outside communities and the world. In fact, it's going to be both religious persecution and civil persecution. He talks about being delivered up to the councils. Do you know in the Greek, the word councils is the word Sanhedrin. And if you're a Bible student, you'll know what the Sanhedrin was. It was the religious council of the Jews uh, in the book, uh, in the whole New Testament time. And interestingly enough, in 2005, the Sanhedrin was re-established on the uh, lake shore of Galilee at Tiberias. Uh, And it's a very modern word again in Jewish culture. So they will deliver you up to the Sanhedrin, the councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. Because that's where the councils used to meet. And uh, religious persecution would be a part of the persecution on God's people. Not only that, but there would be civil persecution because he said you'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake. For a testimony to them. The rulers and the kings are the civil authorities. And when we look in the book of Acts, we see exactly that happening, don't we? With the apostle Paul, who appeared before the uh, tribunals of the Jewish leaders and then was handed over to the Romans to be uh, uh, punished as well. So what the Bible said has happened and is happening in the world today. Now this isn't to make us fearful, as I said. But it's to make us watchful. It's one of the characteristics that the Lord Jesus said would mark the return and the end times. It said that he said there would be these global signs. And I think of it rather like a a cycle that uh, flows round and round. You could argue there's always been wars, there's always been famines, and there have. But they escalate and increase as time goes on and uh, they become more and more intense. So much so that that pattern is repeated in the book of Revelation for the last seven years of history before the second coming which Jesus revealed in that book. So let's be Christians who are watchful and not ignorant of these things. You know it's possible to think we know it all. I read an interesting article in a National Geographic magazine uh, about a lady called Janet Callum. And Janet Callum is uh, somebody who goes out in the mountains in America and tests for avalanches. And one occasion she went out to test the ground for an avalanche. And when she went out on the snow, she couldn't believe it. Suddenly, all around her, the cracks started to appear. And she, who was an expert found herself with the snow about to fall down and it happened she went down in an avalanche and thankfully she had a radio that enabled her friends to be able to find her at the bottom afterwards and dig her out very quickly to save her life but you know what we can think oh i know all this stuff i don't need to be watchful we do we do Experts are often the ones who are caught out, aren't they? So let's be, like Jesus said, watchful about these things. The second thing that Jesus spoke about here as a mark of the end times, a characteristic of the end times, was an encouraging one. And that is the success of the gospel. 
The gospel, if I, if I haven't explained it yet, is the message of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a word which means good news to be proclaimed and shared. The Greek word evangelion means good news. And it was used in the Roman world for good news of all sorts. There might be a victory in a battle uh, and a, a peace had come as a result. And this good news would be proclaimed throughout. But there's a good news that's come from God. The gospel of God, as Paul called it in the book of Romans. And the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ is going out into the world as Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins and save us if we want him to be our saviour so we can go to heaven. And And Jesus said that this gospel will spread through the world. Look what he says in verse 10. He said, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. This is one of the clues, by the way, that Jesus wasn't thinking of AD 70 when he gave all this. Because if if he said the gospel had to go, first of all, to all nations in the world before AD 70 and the destruction of the temple, it didn't happen. And Jesus would therefore be a a false prophet. But it's not. It's a sign of his coming at the end. And he predicted that the gospel would first be preached to all nations nations and praise God as we stand here tonight we can see how that has been happening and by Christians who have gone out as missionaries to different countries around the world spreading the gospel even in the book of of Acts we see them taking the gospel across Turkey and Asia Minor Paul alone brought the gospel into Europe to Philippi and the other apostles went to India uh, and other places Thomas went to India uh, we know and the gospel started going out and now we have years of missionary work and technology to help us we have radio, Transworld Radio, uh, a Christian radio organisation broadcasting the gospel across huge areas in Africa, across huge areas uh, in Asia where missionaries aren't allowed to go because those countries are hostile to Christianity. And like, it said, uh, like Jesus said, you can be persecuted for that, but they can't stop radio waves going in. And so the gospel is being broadcast. We have the internet and the information superhighway carries the gospel wherever people can access the internet freely. The gospel is being preached to all nations. And Bible translation is happening around the world. I read thrilling news about different Bible translations happening in places like Uzbekistan. I mean, I have to look these places up on a map. You know, I, I can't remember where they all are, but the Stans, you know, the, all those countries around Russia. Perhaps you know your geography better than me. Uh, you know, they've had dialects they've never had the Bible before. Now it's getting translated into their tongue. Places in Papua New Guinea, we've got friends who are involved in missionary work, sending the gospel out to Papua New Guinea and translating the Bible into uh, these other languages. It's amazing what God is doing and how the gospel is going out and God uh, tells us here the Lord Jesus tells us here that the gospel message of the Lord Jesus is not going to fail it is going to go out to all the world and it must be preached as the Bible said 
I uh, I'd smiled when I, I read this old cartoon. Uh, I'm a Snoopy fan uh, as much as I love every other cartoon. And uh, Sally, Charlie Brown's sister, says to Linus, I would have made a good evangelist. You know that kid who sat behind me at school? And Linus said, uh, yes. And she said, I'm convinced that I managed to convince him that my religion is better than his religion. And Linus said, how did you do that? She said, I hit him with my lunchbox. Well, that's not how the Lord Jesus said to do it. He said to go and preach the gospel. And that's the word he used here. Not to force people, uh, but to tell people the good news so they have the information at hand to believe. You say, why does it matter that the world has to be uh, evangelized? Why not just leave people to follow their different religions if they want to? I tell you why. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 14 verse 6. He's the only one who can bring us to heaven, bring us to God. And that's why he wants everybody to have the option to become a Christian if they want to. To hear the good news so that they can be saved. You see, our sin has cut us off from God. The things we've done wrong are an offence. Sometimes they're an offence to us. I feel grieved at the things I do. I can't believe some of the things I do sometimes. You know, but they're even more an offence to a holy God. And it stands as a barrier between us and God. But the good news is the Lord Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and rose again so that he could take our punishment and give us eternal life if we ask forgiveness of God through his name. And Paul said that he preached repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts 20, 21. And that's what we must do. We must repent of our sins, ask God to forgive us, and trust in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the gospel has to go out. And if you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I urge you to do it today. You know, a wise choice delayed is a wise choice not made. And who knows, maybe God brought you here tonight so that you could hear the good news and be saved. That's what happened to uh, uh, the elderly lady in the picture here. The younger lady with the dark hair, her name is Lee, and she's a, a painter in South Africa. She's a Christian who's a painter. She makes beautiful paintings. I've got a calendar that someone gave me of some pictures um, that she, she painted, and uh, she makes cards and things. And some one occasion, uh, she was asked about having a display of things at the church, and people might like to buy some of her pictures. And she asked this Jewish lady, who's a friend of hers, to come along and help her. She wasn't a Christian. But this Jewish lady said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And she came along, she helped at the table with the, with the things, uh, the, the paintings and that. And then they went into the church service. And this Jewish lady, she heard the gospel for the first time. And the pastor said, would anybody here like to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ? Ask him to be their saviour. And she asked the Lord Jesus to be her saviour and was, being, was born again that night. Wonderful what God is doing. Maybe he's brought you here tonight so you can make that response as well. But bear, be aware, it will be a costly thing to be a Christian and we will still need to bear testimony to him even under pressure. Verse 11, Jesus said, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. 
the Lord Jesus encouraged the disciples that actually one of the ways in which the gospel would spread would be through their persecution. And like Paul, who was arrested and taken to Rome and was made a prisoner in Caesar's own palace, through that means the gospel reached the capital of the Roman Empire. But you say, but I'd be worried about what would happen if I was put on trial for being a Christian. What would I say? The Lord Jesus says, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in that hour. Now, I want you to underline the phrase, in that hour. All right. Some people have used this verse to say, you preachers, you don't need to prepare because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about persecution in situations where you don't have time to prepare and uh, you're put on the spot. He's saying the Holy Spirit will help you in that hour to know what to say. And that is absolutely true uh, that he does do that. You know, I read about a Ugandan pastor by the name of Kefa Sempagani and uh, uh, Richard Buse uh, from All Souls Langham Place, now in glory. He used to have, uh, he grew up in Africa and he knew many of the pastors. And this particular Ugandan pastor one day came back home from church and there was a gang of five men there. And you know, Uganda's had its uh, military tensions over the years. And some of these people... They hated Christianity. And uh, he came back in and there were these five armed men in his house targeting the pastors and said, you're going to die. And they said, before you die, do you want to say anything? And the, the man said, in his testimony, he said, they nearly didn't have to try and kill me. I was about to die of a heart attack. I was so frightened. He said, I didn't know what to say, but just suddenly I heard myself. He said, I'm not the one who's in danger here. You are. You're the ones who are dead in your sins. So he said, before you shoot me, I would like to pray for you. And the man who was in charge, he told all the men to put their guns down and said, would you pray for us? Do you know, those men became five members of his church. Isn't that amazing? God gave him the words to say under pressure at that moment, what Jesus said. So gospel success is one of the marks of the Lord's return. And as the gospel goes out, even tonight, from here at Union Chapel, we can be encouraged by the things that the Lord Jesus is doing in the last days. There's more of that you can read about in the book of Revelation, as uh, I'm sure you know. But then finally, the Lord Jesus said one of the characteristics of the last days would be godly stalwarts, people who stand firm. He said rather concerningly in verse 12, Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. The Lord Jesus told us, And he didn't mince his words and he didn't use small print. He said the persecution will be so acute it will come right into family life. And sometimes he said members of family will betray each other. The truth of that is known especially by those who come from Asian families. Those who have come from a Hindu background. Those who have come from a Muslim background. Those who have come from a Jewish background. We know many testimonies of Jewish people who have become Christians. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, the famous Bible teacher, he, uh, he himself went home one day after becoming a Christian and was told, you're not welcome here anymore. 
you've become a Christian. You, you know, you've, you've betrayed our faith as they saw it. Didn't realize Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies. And uh, Jesus said, many will hate you, for all will hate you for my name's sake. It's not us they hate, it's Jesus they hate. And they hate us for his name's sake in many places. But the Lord gave this word of encouragement. He said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now that's interpreted two ways by Bible scholars. One group says those who hold on to the end of the tribulation will be saved by the second coming. At the end of the time, uh, if they're still holding on and Jesus hasn't come back yet, when he comes back, he will save them. I prefer the interpretation, and I think there's more scripture to support it, that what Jesus means is, going on with him, even in the face of persecution, we will be saved. It doesn't rule out people stumbling and falling like Simon Peter. But like in Pilgrim's Progress, when we get off the wrong track, on the wrong track, when we stumble and fall, we get back up, we dust ourselves down, and we go back on with the Lord. And we endure and we keep going on with him. And the Lord Jesus told us this, that there would be those who would endure to the end uh, and would be steadfast and sure. Hebrews 3 tells us that those who hold firmly to, the Christ, to Christ are surely saved. It's a mark of true salvation when somebody does this. And perseverance to the end is one of the things the Lord wants us to have. So that should make us prayerful, shouldn't it? Just as the signs make us watchful, just as the gospel success should make us faithful to share the good news with others. So when we read about godly stalwarts in the end, and those who will be faithful, that should make us prayerful. Lord, make me like that. Some of you will be familiar with the name Frances Ridley Havergal. She was a famous hymn writer, wrote beautiful hymns we love in this church. When she was a young girl, her mother said to her, she said, to her, she said, darling, she said, I want you to pray something. She said, I want you to pray to God that he will prepare you for what he's preparing for you. What a great prayer that is. What a great prayer. When I read about that, I thought, do you know what? That's it. I'm going to start praying. God, prepare me for what you're preparing for me. I don't know what's ahead on life's journey. I don't know what challenges I may have to face. But Lord, help me to be faithful, please, when that hour comes. And I believe that just as the manna in the wilderness was given on the day it was needed, so God will give us the grace at the time when it's needed to be faithful to him if we ask him for that. So let's be those who uh, recognise these characteristics of the last times. To be watchful, to be faithful and prayerful, because these amazing things are coming. And if you've yet to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I urge you tonight to put your trust in him. C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his broadcast talks, he said, When the author, capital A, when the author, God himself, the Lord Jesus, walks onto the stage, the play is over. For this time, it will be something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be then too late to choose your sides. It will be the time when we discover which side we have really chosen, whether we've realized it or not. Now, today, this moment, 
is our chance to choose the right side. And I agree with him. So if you've not yet chosen Christ, I urge you to do so, even tonight.